Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and a happy Thanksgiving to all on this holiday eve. Today, we're uncovering TRIA, when lawmakers anticipate Terrorism Risk Insurance Act will become law. And Team USA stands up for the state-based system of insurance. We'll highlight the industry wins during the IAIS annual conference in Abu Dhabi. Plus, the ALI's restatement of law and liability insurance. What insurers should know about this potential threat to the industry. A top NAMIC priority continues to move closer to becoming law. Legislation to extend the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act for seven years past its current December 2020 expiration was passed by the House of Representatives and by the Senate Banking Committee last week. House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters described how TRIA reauthorization continues to be widely supported. What's interesting about what happened in our committee, aside from the fact that Mr. McHenry and I worked well together, we had the East and the Midwest working very well together. We had roundtables by Mr. Meeks and Mr. Maloney uh, in New York, and then in Missouri, we had uh, Mr. Cleaver and Mr. Clay working together. So this has been a wonderful opportunity for all of us to work together to see to it we do the right thing as it relates to responding to the possibility of terrorism and how we handle that. Both the House and Senate bills are identical and include a clean reauthorization that makes no substantial changes to the program and mandates a government accountability study on cyber terrorism. This was the outcome NAMIC had been advocating through outreach to committee members encouraging support for the bill as is. The administration, meanwhile, has signaled that President Trump would sign a TRIA extension bill, so all that remains is for Congress to find a viable legislative vehicle to attach the bill to so it can make it to the president's desk. At this point, it's more likely that Congress will kick the can on spending into February of next year. If that happens, it's much more likely that lawmakers would include a TRIA reauthorization bill in the February government funding bill as opposed to this December. Team USA made significant progress for the U.S. insurance industry during the International Association of Insurance Supervisors annual conference in Abu Dhabi. Although the IAIS agreed to move the Insurance Capital Standard 2.0 into the five-year monitoring period, NAMIC is encouraged that the U.S. Department of Treasury, the Federal Reserve, and the National Association of Insurance Commissioners were able to gain many important concessions. During the negotiations, the IAIS agreed to a definition of comparable outcomes with the alternative U.S.-based aggregation methodology, assuming it produces similar results. This was a significant acknowledgement, potentially clearing the way for a U.S. standard to be recognized by the IAIS as comparable. Additionally, the agreement commits the IAIS to consider modifications to the ICS throughout the monitoring period and to conduct an economic impact assessment of implementation. This month, the U.S. Treasury's Federal Insurance Office issued a public statement objecting to the IAIS advancement of version 2.0 into a five-year monitoring period and making clear that U.S. insurers do not have to participate in the ICS monitoring period. 
Namek believes that this was a particularly good outcome and puts Team USA in a very strong position going into future negotiations. The National Flood Insurance Program has been extended for one month through December 20th. This is now the 14th short-term extension since the program's last long-term authorization expired way back in September 2017. NAMIC is disappointed that the full House has not considered the five-year NFIP extension that was advanced unanimously by the House Financial Services Committee last June. The American Law Institute Restatement of Law on Liability Insurance remains controversial more than a year after adoption. Throughout the eight-year-long drafting period, the insurance industry raised concerns that the restatement doesn't reflect existing insurance law and should not be recognized as law in the states. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with NAMIC's Tom Carroll about the continued threat this restatement poses to the insurance industry. Today on Insurance Unscripted, we're going to do a deep dive into recent action by the American Law Institute that can have serious implications for our industry. For this, my guest is Tom Carroll, NAMIC's General Counsel Federal. Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chuck. I'm happy to be here. Right here at the top, Tom, I should note that you are our first return guest, so congratulations. It's, it's a rare honor indeed. Well, you must know a lot because we have you back to talk about this issue. Uh, which you've been engaged in for some time. Um, you know, recently ALI uh, uh, passed this new restatement of law of liability on insurance. And it's kind of an unusual issue for NAMIC to get in the middle of, but there's a good reason for our engagement in it. And um, I know I speak for all of our members um, who appreciate your active engagement and advocacy on their behalf uh, in these technical issues. So why don't you first start with telling our listeners what ALI is and why these restatements are important. Sure. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, the American Law Institute is a self-appointed advisory group. It's a group uh, that uh, basically is composed of lawyers and judges, uh, law professors. Uh, you can only be nominated by the group and approved to be a member of the group, which has existed for about 100 years. And th their role is to basically provide what are called restatements of law. The idea is that when there is an area of law that is unclear, these legal experts review it, spend time, scrutinize it, review the existing law, and then come up with what they call as a restatement, which is advice uh, on uh, the law based upon the existing legislation and court cases to advise judges and others in terms of here's what the prevalence of opinions are, and here's a, a guidance that they can uh, use to determine this. Um, the, the restatement of law of liability insurance, how, uh, why these restatements are supposed to be, again, as they, they, they are clearly labeled, restatements of the law. Uh, this restatement of the law of liability of insurance is very unique in that it started out not as a restatement, but just kind of a project by the ALI, and then morphed over a period of seven to eight years into an actual restatement. Uh, which um, basically is the first time the American Law Institute uh, addressed something specifically to one industry. Usually their restatements apply to things like contracts or torts or very property, uh, trespass, things like that that are very general, where this kind of crossed the line and went to specifically only insurance. The first time in the history of this organization they focused on an industry. Hmm. Uh, in, in this case, we... we We've been have been concerned from the beginning that it the authors in this case two law professors have used the uh, 
the platform of a restatement to create law rather than restate law based upon their view of what law should be rather than what the judges or the legislators have determined. Right, and, and you know, as a layperson on this, uh, having forgotten to go to law school at some earlier stage in my career, but um, I can imagine the devil's in the details. And so what to the layperson may look, you know, at, to be basically little things that don't make much of a difference. I know you've spent years now analyzing this work that they've been doing and really helping to uh, recognize what it means to our industry and how it can kind of reshuffle the deck or, or you know, change the level playing field around um, what our companies have written in the area of liability insurance. So, you know, what has led to, I assume, I know that, um, you know, that what they have come up with now has led to our opposition to this restatement. Um, can you explain why we're opposed to it? Sure, Chuck, it's a good question. Uh, although the, the restatement gets a lot of things right, unfortunately, as I said before, it, it creates new new things that don't basically have not existed in the law before, kind of the aspirations of the authors. And what this does is it does, as you, as you correctly mentioned, it, it changes the playing field. Uh, that when policies were written, when the business of insurance was determined by our, our member companies, they basically played by the rules. They said, this is, this is where the liabilities exist. This is what the terms of a contract mean. This is what the insurer is required to do, and this is what the insured is required to do. Uh, this, is, this is where we're responsible, and this is where you're responsible. These are your burdens. These are our liabilities. And basically, by, by changing those rules and, and re throwing the dice again, the authors of the restatement have, have basically changed the terms of some of the policies. Uh, they've, what, what everybody understood to be X is now Y. Right. Uh, they've created liabilities and burdens on insurers that basically they didn't exist when we wrote these policies. And mm -hmm. it allows courts in terms of litigation to basically change things that, that both parties agreed to and from the beginning. Well, and I think you've hit on the key issue because as I always say about our members uh, and sometimes to our members, you know, they can write... They can underwrite practically anything if they know what the rules are and if the rules are stable over time or at least predictable. And of course, that's where NAMIC gets involved. Um, you know, as a heavily regulated industry that depends on these rules, we have a say through our advocacy, and this is part of our advocacy, an unusual part, but still, um, you know, our advocacy is based on helping keep those rules uh, reasonable for the policyholder and the insurance company, understandable and predictable over time. And so um, that's kind of what we're doing here with um, ALI. Is this restatement a lot different than what they've done in the past? I mean, you mentioned the difference of focus on insurance, but how else is it different? Uh, it, it's very different. And again, it, it, most of the restatements done are, are very well respected and have been respected for years. Uh, the restatements on contracts and commercial code and things like that are, are basically, you know, it, it very well respected and acknowledged to be correct. But these Unfortunately, in this restatement and a few others, they've chosen, again, not to, not to restate the law, but to basically create law, to go around what the legislators and judges have, have determined over the years to basically say, this is what we, we decide this is what it should be, and this is, this is you know, how we think it should be, rather than, than, than what it is. So what, what, is it, what are the specific elements that uh, we're concerned about with respect to our insurance company members? 
again, the way that it, it gets pretty quickly into the weeds in terms of the, the specific language and the, and the way the, the, the terms are determined. But as I said before, what it does is it changes some of the meanings of the terms of the policies, where, where provisions were included in policies over the years that were meant to, to provide different responsibilities and allocations. The, the restatement now basically changes, well, no, that's not what they are. They're, they're different. It, and it, it favors more the policyholder to the negative, to the detriment of the insured. Uh, creates new responsibilities and liabilities on insurers that, that basically they, they didn't mean to accept in, in the original policy contracts. Uh, things like bad faith and uh, uh, duty of care uh, are, are basically modified by these restatements um, that, that don't really reflect what exists in ex an existing state insurance law. Got it. So we're opposed to it. How are we fighting it? Well, as, as I said, this, this morphed over time, and for seven years we've been trying to, we, we believed that if we just pointed out the error of their ways, that the, the authors would say, well, clearly, um, you know, that's not what the, the law says, and that's not what the judicial opinions have said. Unfortunately, they have not taken that to heart. Or even we could, we could say over the last seven years, you know, there, there are 42 cases that say X, and one that says Y, and you've said Y is the prevailing opinion. That's not correct. Uh, despite that what we think is incredibly clear, the authors went ahead, uh, did not make the majority of those changes, and published the final restatement in late this year. Uh, realizing what was going to be in that restatement, however, we've been doing two things. We've been, uh, one, educating and arming our member litigants and judges on why the restatement does not clarify the law but makes new law and should not, the restatement should not be applied in any litigation. But we've also taken a number of legislative efforts to basically preclude the, the use of the restatement in those state courts. Yeah, that's what I was uh, wondering about in terms of number of states where we've been active and, and states where we've had some success. Do you know what the scorecard is right now? Yeah, again, since it's only been finally approved, that, you know, it's, it's, it was until we had the final language late this year, it was difficult to oppose it. But now that it is out, you know, we, we haven't had a number of success that basically uh, we, we've the first of its kind move in July of this year, Ohio lawmakers uh, approved a bill rejecting the adoption of the restatement as the law of the state. This is significant in that in the history of the ALI, no state has ever before passed legislation against the restatement in its entirety. So that's, that was a big deal. Whilst more recently, North Dakota and Michigan approved bills similar to Ohio that prevented judges from considering uh, the restatement during litigation. A similar bill has been introduced in Arkansas. Tennessee's legislature, legislature amended its uh, insurance statutes to add a provision that uh, addressed plain meaning interpretation of insurance statutes contrary to the restatement. The Kentucky legislature has passed a resolution to the ALI saying to change the restatement. Indiana also passed a resolution similar to Ohio that said that the courts in, in, uh, in um, Indiana should not recognize the restatement. Other states have uh, expressed a rejection. The governors of South Carolina, Maine, Texas, Iowa, Nebraska, and Utah sent a letter to the ALI saying that they, they did not believe that the restatement was correct. The insurance commissioners of Michigan, in, in uh, Idaho, and Illinois have written to the ALI. And the National Council of Insurance Legislators, NCOIL, has basically opposed the, the restatements as well. And, and we're continuing to uh, explore uh, in this new legislative session for the states, uh, additional states that we can go to the legislators and basically figure out how ways where we can uh, either get rid of or prevent the application of the restatement in those states. Wow. 
Sounds like you and our regional vice presidents who are kind of the boots on the ground in these uh, states have been busy. So uh, what I'm curious, what's ALI say about this? They don't care. They're concerned about it, given that this is the first ever, uh, you know, uh, change. It, it's interesting that no one's basically stood up to the ALI before um, it, to this extent. Um, they, they, they're kind of shocked and appalled that anybody would, would not defer to them as the, the, uh, the high court and, and resolvers of all things legal. Um, you know, we, we don't, uh, we respect the ALI, but we don't believe that uh, their self-appointed group uh, gives them the position to basically change what the, the, the laws are in the states. And we're going to continue to work in a, a number of states going forward to uh, both have the legislatures or the insurance commissioners actively oppose the restatement or when it's used in court. And it's already been used in court over 40 times, believe it or not, um, by litigants. And uh, we educate the, our, our attorneys, our uh, outside counsel and the judges as to why the restatement should not be relied upon in litigation as well. You know, that's part of my next question is what is the outlook for 2020 then in the states? Uh, there's going to be cases. We're educating our members. We've had a number of seminars. We just had one yesterday, actually, in Philadelphia, uh, a regional focus on uh, uh, several states in that area, focusing specifically on the state litigation, that's, uh, the, the litigation in those states where the, AL, the restatement's been brought up um, as well. And we had about 50 attendees in the Philadelphia office of a law firm. And we don't have a firm count yet, but we think several hundred members and their counsel attended the meeting yesterday as well to basically learn the problems with the restatement and how to oppose it during litigation. Uh, and Erin uh, uh, Collins and, and her great team on the state level, who, which you acknowledge have done most, most if not all of the work on this area, are uh, meeting with legislators as we speak to determine wh which states are the best prospects to provide uh, 2020 opposition directly to this restatement. Great. So anything our members, considering the listeners of um, Insurance Unscripted, um, anything we should tell our members about what they can do to lend a hand? Uh, again, there's, a, there's a, a lot of information on the NAMIC website about this so far. We're having ongoing seminars that we encourage the member council and outside council to take advantage of these education off efforts. Um, and also uh, at the state-by-state -state level, when we do go into these states uh, for the legislature or the insurance commissioners, uh, our, our state folks will let them know what we're doing and look for their active support in terms of advocacy at, at, at both the legislative and judicial level. Excellent. Well, Tom, thanks. Thanks on behalf of our members for all the work you've done in this area. Uh, I know it's been a labor of love, but a lot of meetings, highly technical um, review of all this legal language and uh, now continuing the fight in the states. Appreciate everything you've done and your time on the podcast today. Thank you, Chuck. Pleasure to be here. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with Gamma Iota Sigma CEO Noel Cotaspati about what students need to help them get ahead in the insurance industry. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we hope you'll return for our final episode of the year on December 11th. If you have a topic or an issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncoveredatnamic.org. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus, and for all of us at Insurance Uncovered, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>